0: man and one man just him wearing gucci gucci got to know me i
1: what's going on everybody welcome back to the fluid football podcast i'm jacob cohen back once again with my co-host avi rajendra nicolucci avi mate how's life
2: I uh, it could be worse you know I was, I was a little late to the podcast but it's okay
1: it's all right. We're, we're still uh, still on for today, so we'll uh, show carries on. Before we jump in, I just want to introduce our guest for today's episode, Mr. Harry Chernak. Harry, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, thank you.
1: Good, good. So Harry is a very close friend of mine from high school and now goes to Lafayette University studying mechanical engineering. He has a very unique knowledge base when it comes to soccer. He could... Honestly, he could probably describe in detail every nutmeg in the top five leagues over the past decade. I'm, I'm totally serious. Um, and he knows more about recent FC Barcelona history than anybody that I've ever met. But Harry, in terms of your fandom, your fandom, I mean, I may have just spoiled it a bit. Uh, you want to share a bit about where your allegiances lie? Who do you support?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for having me on. My, uh, my main team has been for as long as I followed the game. FC Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Premier League I've supported Man City for a while through some ups and downs. I started supporting them I'd say in the 13-14 season.
1: Throw in a disclaimer, I like it. <laughs> yeah. You knew questions were coming. Now yeah. I have a question for you, a follow-up. Um, I know you're a big Messi fan as well as a Barcelona fan. If Messi were to leave Barcelona as some um, Maybe unreliable reports have suggested if Messi were to leave, would you still support Barcelona? Would you support the new team that Messi played for, or both, or what would you think?
0: Um, uh, every year, I feel like there's less to support about Barcelona uh, besides Messi. Mm-hmm. So with him gone, it would it it would be hard. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. to bring myself to do it. Um, but. I'd, I'd wait it out for at least, at least the next season, yeah, um, maybe more.
1: It would be interesting. We did an episode last week about Barcelona and some of their transfers and how it, they have kind of strayed away from, you know, vintage Barcelona back 8, Making 9, 10, 10, 11, 12. Making good transfers. You're right.
2: So uh, you would um, find a new club if, if Messi left them?
0: Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could commit myself to a new club after what I've given to Barcelona. (laughs) Uh,
1: Maybe just fold, but all right. Anyway, (laughs) let's dive into the episode. Harry, before I let you share your opinion on today's topic, lay out your argument, I just want to quickly define, well, our topic for today, which is the away goals rule, uh, to remind those that are listening, for those maybe who don't know. So in most sports, you know, home field advantage is a real thing that can give a slight boost to a team, help them maybe get a win. But in soccer, where... There aren't many goals and teams oftentimes win a match by one goal. Home field advantage can have an amplified effect. So, you know, in the early to mid 1900s, it was really common for teams to travel for an away match and play extremely defensively, kind of like we see Atletico Madrid doing now regularly. But, you know, they play really defensively to limit their risk and head home with minimal damage. And it was really boring. It was a boring trend. Fans became really frustrated with the strategy. Because people want to see action. They want to see goals. No one wants to pay 100 euros for a ticket and see a nil-nil draw, you know? Um, And so oftentimes, these draws would have to be resolved at a neutral location or with a more random outcome generator like a coin toss or something like that. So, in order to combat this, in 1965, UEFA, uh, the Union of European Football Associations, implemented... This new tiebreaker for teams to encourage them to attack when they were playing matches away from home, which was known as the away goals rule, and it still exists today. So in knockout competition, there are two games in a matchup, one match at each stadium, so that no team can have complete home field advantage. If after the two matches, the total score is tied, then the team who scored more goals at the away team's stadium is the winner of the round. So it's possible for a team to say, lose 2-1 at home and then win 1-0 away and win the tie because they scored an away goal while the other team did not. And the more controversial side to this is that it's possible for each team to win one match with the same score. They each win 2-0, but since both teams scored the same number of away goals, it's a tie. So wherever the second leg is played, the teams go directly into 30 minutes of extra time where the away goal rule still applies so if the away team scores a goal an extra time, the home team needs to score two to secure an absolute advantage. And so that was a pretty long winded explanation of the away goals rule. Harry, I'd love for you to get into your argument, get into your stance
0: on the rule. Uh, so I'm, I'm against the away goal rule. Um, I have been since I learned about it, I guess, uh, the main reason being simply it's, it's logical. Um, it's a fairly uh, it's, it's a pretty simple concept. Um, having the teams play at each team's stadium gives each team the same amount of time with home field advantage. And so, if they both end up with the same amount of goals, they are they're even in the contest. To give the one team the win and the other team the loss is somewhat unfair. And so, I think the burden of of uh justification lies in the side advocating for the rule and i haven't had my mind changed by any argument that i've heard
2: um you know what how do you feel about like the the extra time i've heard some arguments against um you know because you know if you go an extra time you're essentially giving 30 minutes uh you know more to the team who are playing at home in the second leg so i guess what are your thoughts on on that
0: well, yeah. So when you get extra time, obviously one team gets more time with the home field advantage, whereas the other team gets more time with the away goal advantage. Um, so if you were if you were advocating for the away goal rule, well, that would be a, a something you might want to use to justify it. Um, the, the, my problem with that mainly is, for one, the home field advantage varies sometimes wildly from team to team. Um, it seems some teams. Real Madrid comes to mind in particular in recent years for doing better away, it seems, than they do at home. Um, there's also the question of, are those equal? If so, how do you know? And if not, then then that extra time is unfair. I can't, I can't really see any reason why they shouldn't go straight to penalties at the end of extra time. I get that it might be a little less entertaining. You're missing out on half an hour of actual uh, play time, but to me, that that's that's a cost I'd be willing to give up because you've you got to live with the result of the game for for the rest of your life. The game is only ninety minutes or one hundred twenty. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting. Now, in terms, I mean, right now, the rule is it goes to extra time. I, I, following up with Avi, what you said, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have, it's it's almost like a new game, 30 fresh minutes. I think it's a little ridiculous that one goal for the away team causes the home team to have to score two. I, I don't see, you, you need to come up with a solution with that because you're, you're completely, I mean, you're valuing an away goal at literally at twice the value of a normal goal in that instance. And I, I don't know how you can, how you can keep that. I think it's totally unfair to the home team.
2: The question is, you know, how do you quantify, you know, how do you determine what is more valuable, you know, away goals or or home field advantage? And I think the spirit of the rule, you know, was designed, you know, so that that there would be, you know, more attacking football. But sometimes we see the opposite because, you know, if you're a home team, you scored, you know, an away goal or maybe two, you know, you really don't want to, you don't you don't feel like, you know, you have to attack at all. Uh, when you're at home, so even if you have like a, you know a one-goal advantage or you're tied and you have the away goal, um, that that can really um, you know kind of suppress uh, you know a team's uh, you know need to attack at home.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's very fair. Um, now, Avi, where I mean, where do you have a, a particular stance on the away goals rule as it is? And if not, Harry, you you know either one of you is is there a solution? Is there a, I mean, a neutral venue in theory, you know, sounds great, but I just don't, I don't know how feasible that is nowadays with all the competitions going on and and everything going on.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I do see issues with the away-go rule. Um, you know, I think the reality is you're going to have to wrap up these games in two legs. I don't think anyone wants to see a a third leg, a a neutral site Like that's just not going to happen. Uh, but you know i would be you know i i would in favor of eliminating the away goal rule and just playing a two-legged affair um but you know i would like to keep extra time i i think extra time is 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 a really um you know interesting you know portion of the game because that's when you know stuff gets starts to get weird because players are tired you know you might have a red card you might be out of substitutions you know it really you know uh that that's where the game gets you know really interesting and i understand um you know harry's argument for for penalties but you know I don't think anyone really likes penalties, to be honest. You know, theoretically, it might be the most fair thing. But, you know, I would much rather see, um, you know, teams actually play it out, um, you know, in in open play. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, they they used to literally have a coin toss. So while that is more random than the penalty shootout, I think I have read I have read a lot of articles over the last couple of years that have kind of criticized uh, our penalty shootout. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about that one myself, to be honest.
2: Um, Yeah. So we could, uh, you know, you know, get into, uh, you know, how this has actually affected, um, you know, games because, you know, it's not just theoretically, this has, you know, had, uh, you know, a lot of impact on, on high profile games because this, uh, this rule is, um, you know, in effect for uh, European competition, um, the Champions League and Europa League. Um, So, you know, there's been some really interesting Champions League games, that we can talk about um, you know and since you guys are both Barcelona fans we can start with the uh, Barcelona games uh, you know Barcelona Chelsea in 2008-2009 in the semi-final it was it was nil-nil uh, at Camp Nou uh, went to uh, Stanford Bridge and uh, I'll let you guys tell the story of what happened next
0: um, well I think to properly tell the story as accurately as possible we have to go back to the Camp Nou uh, which, for some reason, is often forgotten when the the story is told nowadays. Um, there was horrendous refereeing in both games. It was just, it was, it was appalling. The number of handballs and vibrant fouls in the penalty box that were ignored is unforgivable. Of course, Barcelona ended up winning, so. The story is told that they bribed the referee and whatnot, and and people started calling them UEFA Lona. Um, and there were a lot of bad referee calls on their side, but besides that, the game at Stanford Bridge ended 1-1, and Barcelona won on the away goals rule with a with a late minute goal, turning their defeat, which they would have been defeated because they would have lost one nothing over both legs, into a 1-1 victory on the away goals rule.
1: It's funny how it's, you know, you call it a one one victory, but I mean, away goal rule aside, it's an iconic moment in Barcelona and in football history, that Iniesta strike. Of course, um, you know, in that second leg in particular, there were a couple moments where you're scratching your head at some of the referee's decisions. Uh, a couple, it's, it seemed a couple blatant penalties missed. Again, all eyes are going to be on that leg. If I'm being honest, that's most of the context I have is that leg. I, I haven't watched much film from the first leg. Uh, or at least I don't remember it. To be honest, it was you know 2009. But but uh, you know another moment of Iniesta's that'll that'll go down in history. Uh, you know, love him forever for that.
0: Yeah, and man, many There's people. A... I was go I was going to say uh, to go on the, the the context and the significance of many people uh, cite that as the start of Barcelona's period of dominance in in Europe, going from under Pep Guardiola. Was yeah, that, that, goal was, that game
2: was wild i mean to hit it with the outside of his, his right you know foot the way he did um you know just basically you know no backlift uh that, that was pretty ridiculous and, and also you know one of my favorite things is to, is to look at the you know difference between the crowd reactions you have the barcelona away side or away fans you know right next to the chelsea fans behind the goal and the barcelona fans are absolutely just losing their minds when, when they go uh, when the goal happens and then you can visibly see, you know, Chelsea fans just all turn away in disgust. And, you know, that, that juxtaposition is, is just insane. And uh, I think it's just part of why we love, uh, you know, soccer and Champions League, you know, soccer. So, I mean, if anything, to me, that goal is, um, you know, argument in, in favor of, of extra time, not necessarily the away goals rule, but, you know, uh, you know, without extra time, uh, you know, like, old, um, you know, well, I guess that, that, that was in the 90th minute. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, it was a great goal regardless.
1: <laughs> no, but but it's funny. It, the away goals rule completely changes the context of that game. In that case, all Barcelona wants is to score one goal because they're at the away stadium. Um, and Chelsea's desperately uh, trying to prevent that possibly playing for extra time or something. But uh, interesting, you know, it ends nil-nil in the first leg. it. it, it completely changes the structure of the second game but you know
2: it's it's funny how you phrase that here yeah oh, one, one victory that kind of you know change, changed my uh, perspective on that a little bit because <laughs> I think in any other sport you know that's not considered a victory so it, it's it's pretty interesting um you know how that works
0: yeah I, th- I think it raises the question um in a, in a sport where there is only one way to get to get points scoring it's not basketball or football where there's multiple ways it, it, if there's only one way to 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 get points should you be able to go directly from defeat to victory.
2: And, you know, something about you know, scoring and, uh, you know, I've heard in different proposals, but, you know, um, changing the scoring rules in soccer. So if you score from outside the box, it's worth more. Um, I think that's, you know, pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, I could, I don't know. What are your immediate thoughts on that? You know, we can start with Harry.
0: Um, well, that would be pretty interesting if instead of, away goal rule we had an outside the box rule or uh, some other uh, uh, way to analyze the spectacularness or difficulty of the goal scored um, or maybe or even better uh, own goals count less might be a, a way to settle tiebreakers
2: my only problem with the own goals counting less is you know well, I, okay that's fair um, yeah what, what are your thoughts Jacob
1: yeah. First of all, this isn't FIFA and we're not counting. We're, I don't think we should count outside the box goals as anything more than a, a goal inside the box. I, I think we talked about this, you know, a month or two ago, but Kevin De Bruyne would thrive in that sort of system with that sort of structure shooting from outside the box. But I don't know in terms of an alternative to the away goal rule. I don't know if uh, you know, I'd want anything else on the pitch to count for more or less. I, I think a goal is a goal. And like Harry said, Part of what makes soccer so beautiful is that there is only one way of scoring but sorry you know uh, the value of a goal is one in in any type of game but the, there are many ways that you can score that goal and and i think again it's why it's a beautiful game a lot of ways that you can achieve the same goal rather than a field goal in american football where you know it's the same it's the same thing every time snap kick through the uprights three points um you know
2: I have to say I'm in I'm in favor of uh, you know doing a uh, outside of the box you know two point rule. I think that you know because I mean look at two points, I mean, two points maybe three. Uh, you know because any way you look at it, you know goals scored from outside of the box are going to be you know far more difficult and and you know some of those goals are some of the most spectacular things and, and I think you you know when you look at um, you know how t- teams are annual, analyzing goals now they, they understand that you know it makes more sense to get closer I think we might see you know fewer and fewer of those types of attempts in, in the future but I think that's you know something that we should preserve in the game and, and I think you know making it so it's a you know a two-point goal uh you know I think we could really you know start to see you know long-range specialists like Kevin De Bruyne or Hakan Chanalulu you know those those type of players you know they could be a, a real type of strategy in the game.
1: You know, something that comes to mind before we, you know, move on to a couple more examples. You have fantasy, uh, Premier League fantasy football, um, where players, individual players earn points for different things, whether that's key pass or an, an assist, random things that earn them points. Is there a way that you could tally a bunch of different metrics together, such as possession, corners, fouls, bookings, that add up to a total score that if there's a tie, break the
0: tie? Uh, well, I know World Cup games are settled on discipline if all other uh, tiebreakers are are still level, which could be used in the in the Champions League. Um, going going back to, to the other thing, I I personally would would not be in favor of counting goals outside the box uh, as more. Uh, a few reasons that come to mind. Um, to me, like Jacob was saying, all goals are equal in value to me, except for the penalty goal, penalty kick. Um, so if, if we were to do it on a value of goals, it would be you win on non-penalty goals. Um, and also I think, I mean, long shots are cool, but I think there are better kinds of goals that oftentimes are scored from inside the box that would be more difficult to, to analyze. Um, I personally always value solo goals more than long shots. Um, and you could argue for uh, Tiki Taka quick team play being more beautiful and impressive to watch.
2: That's true. Um, yeah, I, I like that idea of you know reducing the penalties weight. Um, you know, Jacob, I, I think to answer your question, I'm not sure there's an, a you know a way that you're going to be able to you know satisfy fans in terms of um, you know kind of a metric that evaluates a, a team's performance because. There's always going to be people who say, "Oh, you're you're favoring possession too much," you know. All oh, that favors Barcelona, and I think you know you, you're going to have to look at you know individual kind of things. Uh, I think you know a holistic kind of metric is is probably not going to work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, let's let's keep running through a couple more ways that we've seen the away goals rule come into play in the last few years, uh, and you know sticking with, obviously, like you mentioned, Barcelona, the infamous. Uh, matchup up against Roma in 1718 where Barcelona won the first leg at home 4-1 they scored 4 goals on Roma then lost the away leg the second leg 3-0 off a header from Manolas the greek god rises in rome something like that uh was the commentary harry i'm sure you could get it more accurately well, it, was, it
0: would be a roman god if he was rising in rome well
1: that's fair that's probably more more accurate but uh Either way, um crazy scenes there and we saw the next year Barca get eliminated as well in spectacular fashion, but you know Roma just crazy there.
0: Yeah, I'll 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 admit I wasn't watching that game because Man City was playing Liverpool at the same time. So
1: You know what? I think yeah, I was watching Man City Liverpool as well and yeah, we'll flicked on flicked me. on at the end though. You remember G- Gabriel Jesus uh Scored very early against Liverpool. Everyone thought that yeah, uh, it was it was whole thing. It was it was maybe the peak of the rivalry between City and Liverpool. Uh, but it seems at this point that Liverpool's sort of you know taken a couple steps past. But you know beyond Barcelona, Roma, uh, Ajax, Tottenham last season. While I'm an Arsenal fan, you know I'm a Barca fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. I hate Spurs with a passion. <laughs> um, but I mean the, the scenes with Lucas Mora scoring that, that second half hat trick against Ajax after losing uh what losing 2 0 to Ajax in the first leg. Lucas scores the hat trick to make it 3 3. I uh, Spurs go through on away goals. I get chills.
2: It's it's one of my favorite games to watch. Uh even though I, I would love to you know have seen Ajax go through you know, the fact that Lucas Moura came on a sub and, and essentially won that tie single-handedly, I think it's mind-boggling. And, and just also, the, you know, how quickly the game turned. You know, it seemed you know so much in favor of Ajax. You know, Ajax's players were even celebrating, um, you know, you know, deep in the second half, and it looked like they had it secured. And uh, then, you know, Lucas Moura plunges the dagger in their hearts, and, uh, you know, they they run away with, uh, you know, their Champions League final berth. But, you know, I, I would have loved to see that game go into extra time um uh, i think we rule, all would have yeah uh yeah
1: yeah for sure i mean there there i mean i guess my stance on the away goal rule could depend on on the match at hand that's true uh, <laughs>
0: well there's, yeah. there's uh i think we just stumbled on another potential argument against the away goal rules it denies viewers extra time mm-hmm. that's
2: true that's true I, so i if i'm gonna you know my conclusion from this is, you know, keep extra time, but uh, I guess nix the away goals rule.
0: Or maybe have the away goals rule only count in extra time. Um, that's that's y- interesting too.
1: Interesting. So you're saying if the, uh, you're saying no away goals rule through the 180 minutes and then extra time implement the rule.
0: Yeah, as a... As a interesting.
1: So, so then you do value an away goal rule as double as well, dumb. yeah, I, th-
0: I think you'd have to, because if you're doing extra time, one team has the home team advantage. Yeah, that could be a good tweak.
1: Interesting. So I think what everyone's been saying recently, what I've been reading about is they're saying nix the away goal rule in extra time. Make it. I, I have heard that too. And I, uh, the more I think about it, the more I like, you know, the complete reverse situation where, where you only have it in extra time. That's very interesting. I really yeah, like that. I like that, that a lot. <laughs> wow, okay. And you know, something else Harry you mentioned earlier uh, in the episode about Real Madrid performing very well um away and it brought up the a really spectacular tie between Real Madrid and Bayern in I believe it was 1617 um when Real Madrid won 2-1 at Bayern in the first leg. So again, playing a very playing a very good match against one of the best teams in the world at in, in the away leg but then the second leg Bayern won 2-1 so it was 3-3 uh, on aggregate. Each team had scored the same number of away goals and then they went to extra time and Real Madrid just smacked Bayern three goals to mm-hmm. nil in extra time which you know made the, the aggregate 6-3. Looked like an embarrassing tie for Bayern but if not for extra time uh, you know it was dead even.
0: Yeah. Um Byron did not play very well that first leg. Mm-hmm. Um I remember correctly. Uh even ignoring I think it was Vidal who missed a penalty kick, uh skying it. Yeah. Um which I think is a a good I th- I think it, it showed pretty well the potential um overcompensation that the away goal provides where now it's the home team sitting back um and not, not attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think it's even better demonstrated by a different Real Bayern game that happened, it would have been 11 to 12. Um, it was played in Real Madrid stadium and it started off very exciting because, uh, I think Real Madrid started the game either two or three goals down and they scored two and they needed one more goal, but then Bayern scored a goal. So now Real Madrid needed three goals. Or two goals, um, and the game died because they lost hope. Mm. Um, without the away goal, they would still have had a chance. Yeah,
1: we—I um, we, mean, we—we we saw Barca PSG when PS Cavani scored a goal uh, in the in the early, early second half, and we all thought it was dead because Barca now yeah. needed three more goals. And to it, go it was that was somewhat dead yeah. for a
0: bit. Um, fortunately, we got that spark of absolute chaos. <laughs> um, beautiful chaos at the end of it.
1: <laughs> You're right. Two set pieces, and then well, I guess it came from three set pieces. The the final goal, did it not? It started off as a a free kick, penalty, Neymar, man. and
0: it was the there was a free, free kick, kick, but there was some passing around before before the, yeah. the goal.
1: Either way, again, yeah, people might blame the referees there too. UEFA Lona this, UEFA Lona that, but
2: uh, yeah, but, and I think you know what we've seen from these Champions League games is, you know, the away goals rule can cut both ways you know, I think it can really, you know, it can, it can enhance the game, you know, no doubt, but it can also, um, you know, there's a lot of negatives to it, you know, as well. But, you know, this, this rule is not just applicable and, um, you know, the Champions League, we saw this past weekend uh, in the Bundesliga, uh, they, we've talked about this before, but they have a, a promotion playoff where the, the third uh, worst team in the Bundesliga plays the third best team uh, from Bundesliga two in a two-legged affair uh, to decide who gets to, you know, stay or, or come up to the Bundesliga. Um, so Werder Bremen, uh, they played, uh, this weekend against a team who I cannot pronounce. Uh, <laughs> I will, let's see. <laughs> Heidenheim maybe? Heidenheim? No, okay, I'm, not, I'm
1: not German. What? Uh,
2: Heidenheim maybe?
1: Heidenheim, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So it's not that bad, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, first leg, uh, you know, it was a zero-zero affair. Uh, Werder Bremen got a, a red card. Second, uh, second, second leg, uh, was at Heidenheim, um, you know, Werder Bremen, they took a uh, a, a one a lead. Uh, Heidenheim equalized. You um, know, of course, at this point they still had the uh, away goals rule advantage. Um, and then, you know, Werder Bremen, uh capped it off with a with a goal uh, late into the second half. So it was two to one. Uh, Heidenheim tied the game up actually, but they lost on away goals. Um, so it, it was uh, you know you know another example of in an instance where, you know, the away goals rule, you know, prevented us from having extra time. And um, it was a great game. It was a wild game, but, you know, I think both teams deserve more because of how, you know, evenly matched they were. I don't think anyone, you know, comes out of that saying, oh, Werder Bremen's definitely the better team than Heidenheim.
1: And and, and what a shame for, for Heidenheim who, I mean, there is, in, in this the Champions League, everyone, you know, you could say is equally matched, top teams in Europe. Heidenheim is coming from the second division in Germany. And it's a shame that, Verder uh, vertebramen were were sort of able able to leverage that away goals rule uh, to their advantage to sort of separate themselves from the team who were a division lower. In that case, you know in, in a case where you're you're talking about teams playing in completely you know different leagues on on different levels, different tiers, I don't know how I feel about the away goals rule there. Um, yeah, I mean, Bremen gutting... should, in theory, should be able to handle uh, you know the second division team. Yeah, yeah, and I, think, I mean
0: when I when I first heard about this uh this this system that the Bundesliga has um I was I was a bit surprised to learn that it was the, the third from the bottom in the Bundesliga and the third from the top because in theory those should be the two most mismatched um that are that are up for for shuffling around. Um so yeah, the it, it, it should You're right. Should be one. No,
1: that that's very true. It's interesting. Um so in in terms of away goals, anybody else have any thoughts before we move on?
2: Uh yeah, just one, one more thought about, you know, the Verdere game. Um, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, heartbreaking obviously for 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 um, Heidenheim and you know, I think that is, you know, maybe a potential solution for that game is, you know, you you give, you know, the the away goals rule um, you know, doesn't apply um at least maybe for for the uh for the Bundesliga team. I think, you know, the Bundesliga team you know definitely has the advantage here and um, yeah I'm just I'm just kind of I'm heartbroken on behalf of Heidenheim because I, I know how uh, you know you know that's just you know very tough to to compete all season and then you know have it come down and, and lose on a, on a silly rule like that so
1: we do get
0: another season of Josh Sargent in the Bundesliga that's true.
2: That, is, that is that is the uh, other side of the coin there <laughs>
0: Um, I wanted to. So something I missed that I wanted to mention during the discussion about the Ajax Tottenham game. Um, this this last Champions League season had three games decided on the away goal rule, um, which which is a lot. Uh, in the past six seasons, I believe there's only been ten games. So to have three in one season is is a bit crazy. Um, albeit Tottenham was was two of those games. Um, yeah, the Man City
2: game we forgot to mention, but that was also a. Uh, a while before.
0: Yeah, yeah especially wow. with the VAR decision.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That That is whiplash, emotional whiplash right there <laughs> for for Pep.
0: Yeah, yeah um, but what I was going to say is it, 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 I think so all three of those games, it was the team that was away in the second leg that, that, that got the win from the away goal rule. And I wanted to mention that across the past six seasons, which is all I had time to to analyze, um, there's been ten games that were decided on away goals. Um, five of those teams that took victories were home in the second leg, and the other five were away in the second leg. So it's dead even. But in games that were decided in in normal time, twenty six uh, victories for teams away in the second leg compared to forty six victories for teams home in the second leg. So something isn't quite fair. It would seem. Whether or not that's the away goal rule, it's not clear, but if it really. were to be because of the away goal rule, to tell that story, you would say that the home team is burning away their home field advantage out of fear of conceding an away goal in the first leg, whereas the team that's home in the second leg knows the result of the other game and can utilize their their home field advantage.
1: Yeah, It's really interesting. Essentially, what it sounds like Basically, with all, that, all those numbers that you just threw out, the team that's away in the first leg has statistically done better over, yes. across the last six seasons or so. Yeah. So teams are going all out in the first leg. These away teams are going all out, again, knowing that they'll have the chance to adapt in the second leg if things go awry. They're going all out, possibly securing uh, you know, the, a victory or at least an away goal, and then throwing in eight <laughs> defenders in the second leg, you know, if anything else.
2: Yeah. It's really interesting strategy because, you know, like you said, it's it's really, I mean, they could lose, you know, five, two, who cares? You know, you have two away goals, you know, go home and, and, you know, maybe get three goals. I mean, that's just, that's kind of a weird thing. But, you know, the the point is, you know, if you get, you know, one, one away goal or two away goals, you know, the first result, I mean, it's not that meaningful really. And, you know, that second result, you know, you, you know, what you have to do. And then you also have the advantage of being at home. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of things line up there. So I think it's really interesting, interesting strategically and I, I'd like to see you know, maybe some data on um, you know, what is really driving um, you know, that disparity. Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. Um, yeah, Harry, One, go ahead. one last talk, cause, uh, it, it sounded like you kind of wanted to move away from the topic. Um, a, a quote from, from Alex Ferguson regarding the away rule is uh, he referenced when the rule was enacted, which was in 1965 uh he said that nowadays what something that's different about the game is that um the the pitches are so consistent and so high quality that they can favor attacking play like the counterattack is much easier today to do today than it was when the away goal rules was enacted so t- it he thinks it's less reasonable to assume that taking away the goals will result in away teams parking the bus, stacking people in front of the goal because it's, it would be so much easier for them to pull a counterattacking goal or move up the field faster than it was back in the day.
1: Yeah, Harry, uh, you know, final thought with that. I think our history teacher back in, in, in high school, I believe it was him who was telling us about how teams, you know, it was, they, they had very inconsistent pitch styles. Teams would understand their pitch better than their opponent, you know, know where the divots are and, and all that. But, uh, you know, if anything else, be more accustomed to the size and whatnot. So they'd be able to, uh, you know, have an upper hand there, if that's what you're kind of referencing.
0: Yeah, so the the, the pitch familiarity was less of an advantage because pitches are more consistent now. Uh, so, right. Something else I think I remember that same history teacher saying, uh, as well as many other uh, coaches and players that I've talked to, they all seem to say the same thing in that they would rather win 1-0 than to win 2-1 and they would prefer that over winning 3-2, et cetera, et cetera, um, because of the value of a clean sheet. And and I agree. I would rather win 1-0 than than 2-1 or 3-2. And so it would follow, logically, I think, that pulling off a 1-0 win away should be rewarded as opposed to um, winning 2-1 away, because Mm -hmm. we agree that being away is a disadvantage. But under the away goal rule, it's the opposite. you're rewarded for winning two one away right the more goals you score yes, exactly and yeah. that I think so obviously it's, I mean it's no secret this uh, the rule is it, it, it favors attacking because no matter no matter what the factor is of how much more difficult it is to score a goal away than at home, that must mathematically be exactly the same factor of difficulty it is to uh, defend away than it is at home because you can't score a goal against another team without some other team conceding a goal. Um, so if you end a leg, like I think a good example, of that Chelsea Barcelona game that was one one in the second leg and zero zero in the first leg, something that Chelsea did that Barcelona was unable to do was keep a clean sheet away, and that's something that's completely ignored. It goes with a trend of of uh, emphasis on attackers and offense that I'm personally against in modern day football it seems unfair to the defenders but just adding on to my problems with the away goal rule Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Uh, and you know with the emphasis on attackers it comes with those individual trophies as well the Ballon d'Or and everything but Mm -hmm. you know it could be a a larger trend than just with the away goals rule Um, awesome let's Let's move on from the away goals rule. I think it was an interesting conversation, interesting debate there. Um, A lot of things to consider. It'll be interesting to see because I know a lot has been said recently how that rule is possibly modified and or removed moving forward by UEFA. So we'll keep an eye on that. Let's talk some current events. Let's talk what's going on in world football right now. La Liga may finally uh, go back to Madrid which I'm not a fan of, but, you know, what do you guys think about that? What's going on with that?
2: Yeah, so, you know, we talked about, you know, Barcelona's failure in the transfer market last week and, you know, kind of their long-term problems, but, you know, it appears they have short-term problems as well in La Liga. You know, just it's kind of been disappointing, their form. You know, they've drawn, you know, several matches and, you know, it looks like, you know, it's all about wrapped up for, you know, Real Madrid now. But you know, I think Real Madrid's squad, I think, has just been you know more consistent. So I, you know, I think it's it's a fair result that that they you know come out with with the title here. And you know, Barcelona have certainly been exciting. You know, two two draws against Celta Vigo and Atletico Madrid, but you know, they just haven't you know found a way to you know, I don't know, just you know get results when when they need to.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a Barcelona fan, it it comes with some disappointment, but in, in some ways I'm happy to see Real Madrid um, shake things up a bit because it it's been a while. Uh, it was, would have been 16-17, and before that, 11-12, to 12, I think, was the last time they won the league. Yeah. So um, cause I know La Liga sometimes does get a, a, a bum rap for being uncompetitive. And, and, you know, I mean, other than the two Madrid teams in Barcelona, you almost always bet against those teams winning the league. Um, but to see it be different is – I think it's good for the league. Um, I think more surprising is Atletico Madrid falling 13 points behind Barcelona at this point, um, especially considering they were able to dominate Liverpool the way they did.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, that raises the question of, you know, Antoine Griezmann, you know, how important he was, you know, potentially to Atletico Madrid. and But at the same time, I think Madrid is – or Atletico is, is- – you know kind of peaking at the right time I would say you know I think you know they had a really slow start to the season but you know they're, they're you know they're they're uh, they're winning against Liverpool and I think their recent form has you know even been decent so you know I, I would say they're peaking at the right time and I think next season um, you know you're going to see Simeone back to his, his old ways and I mean they're, they're in third this season so yes they are 13 you know points below Barcelona but uh, you know I don't think it's it's been as as bad as some people you know say it has been
1: They'll be an interesting team to follow in the Champions League, as always. I was going to ask, um, but, do you think
0: they're contenders?
1: Um, I want to get into that in a bit, but I, I do think they're contenders. I think they're always contenders, personally. No matter, no matter how they're doing in the league, they're always contenders because, uh, you know, similar to how Liverpool were before they became so dominant, but, you know, you put them in a, a single match, you need to win one match, they can beat anybody. You know, they come out with, with with the mentality they need to win. Simeone lines them up, having them fight for each other, fight for him. Uh, they they can beat anybody, and we've seen it. So yeah,
0: I think you're you're uh, emphasizing the difference in playing in a tournament versus a league, mm-hmm. because tournaments seem always they're more defensive heavy. I, I forget who it was who said, you know, scoring goals wins games, but defense wins competitions. That's definitely true in tournament because. Mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's on edge it's mm-hmm. those two games that decide everything and so a team like atletico madrid that's just got such a crazy defensive style <laughs> i think i think you're right that they're always they're always contenders
2: yeah it it, it raises like you know the, how big of a difference it is between uh you know league and uh you know cop competitions and i think it's interesting that you know the champions league is structured this way because you know it is you know, supposed to be the you know the biggest competition in, in, in world football essentially in club football um you know but it's pretty much a knockout you know it's a, it's a knockout tournament so there's so much you know variability and, and variance in it so um uh, you know like you said it, it is such a different managing style um as compared to a you know a season-long competition
1: yeah uh i want to get into champions league in a second because the, uh, the draw came out today for the quarterfinals. So, you know, again, we'll touch on that. Let's talk Premier League real quick. Um, things are really heating up in the uh, mid to top section of the table and in the relegation battle, if we're being fair. But I want to talk real quick about the battle for European qualification. You have uh, places six through ten separated by three points. It goes Wolves, Sheffield, Arsenal, Tottenham, Burnley. By the way, the North London derby is on Sunday but um you know the next four matches are just going to be massive and you're you're going to see i you're going to see some some surprises i think i think first of all um you know you can't count burnley out because they've been exceptional since we've come back for you know
2: yeah i mean they're only you know 3 points behind wolves um you know amazingly i think you know burnley uh you know shaun he got some you know criticism earlier this year he was you know burnley they were struggling a little bit but you know they they found you know their form and you know they know who they are you know they have they it with a two striker system they they you know chip balls into their you know strikers they have Jay Rodriguez you know the uh, ever ever fine you know aging like fine wine uh, Jay Rodriguez so you know Burnley are, are consistent and I'm not sure you can say that about you know a lot of teams ahead of them
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then Bruno Fernandez not too much needs to be said about him but exceptional player he's completely changed this United squad. He's won his second consecutive player of the month award. He scored the goal of the month. He's just, I mean, he's having the time of his life right now playing alongside Paul Pogba.
2: It's its amazing, you know, how fast he's adapted to United and, uh, you know, it's not easy coming in in a January transfer window. I mean, it's one thing you have the entire summer to, to merge or, you know, gel with the players, uh, but to come in as quickly as he has and make such an impact is is quite impressive and also you know Mason Greenwood what an impact he's been having I don't know why he wasn't starting earlier in the Premier League uh you know he's you know arguably the best you know teenager uh, in the world right now and I I think you know United um you know I think they, they finish third next season just based off this
1: wow that's a that's a hot take but uh you know, I'm, I'm willing, to, willing to accept it. And Mason Greenwood is, you know, he's proven me wrong. I've been arguing Martinelli and Saka over Greenwood. Um, and I still don't know where I stand on that because they are, you know, they do play relatively different positions, eh, somewhat. Greenwood's been on fire. He's been electric. So he's been a pleasure to watch. Um, let's jump in now. Like I said, let's jump back into some Champions League discussion. Um, the draw came out today. I want to run through... You guys and I want to I want to make predictions. I want to sort of decide who we think's going through from each leg and from each tie. So, while the quarterfinals haven't even finished, I'm sorry, the round of 16 hasn't even finished. They they released the quarterfinal schedule. So let's start with, first of all, finishing the round of 16. Real Madrid versus Manchester City. The first leg, Manchester City beat Madrid 2-1 in Madrid. Who's going through?
2: I can start. Um, so. You know, I think, you know, City are just sick of being told, you know, how bad they they perform in in the Champions League. And, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, people say how bad, you know, Man City's Champions League atmosphere is. Well, there's no fans there, so it doesn't matter anymore. So, you know, I think Pep is really going to have to prove a point here. And I think they're going to get through, you know, Man City's been playing great after the restart. I mean, Madrid has been playing great too, but, you know, I'm just going to back, you know, City because, you know, like you said, they have, you know, they have a two-one re- lead, and that's two away goals, so massive advantage for them coming coming home.
0: Yeah, um, I as a Man City fan, I would like to see it. Um, we're gonna miss them through the next Champions League season, and also one after that. I think, right? <laughs> Potentially, we'll
2: see. We'll see. Yeah, I think the band's gonna get reduced, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think without, I mean, we talked about Real Madrid doing better away than home. I think that's gonna not be the case without medicine man Ronaldo in the Champions League
1: <laughs> yeah um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a sweep Man City go through um, Real Madrid have scraped by their last few matches in La Liga with penalties from Sergio Ramos who scored a lot of goals this season scored around eight I believe but either way um, City takes it and they play the winner of Lyon versus Juventus Lyon won, won the first leg one nil at their home stadium does Juventus bring it back in the second leg so
2: this is uh this is interesting i mean i'm not i i, I want to say leon uh you know i think juventus have been playing better though and you know we're those healthy so unfortunately i'm gonna have to say uh, a 2-1 victory uh, aggregate for for Ju- juventus here and uh you know leon's uh you know cinderella run comes to an end
0: a 2-1 victory on aggregate
2: yeah yeah so 2-0 okay.
0: uh, at, at uh, juventus yeah I, 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 I think Juventus is going to go through it's that same man, medicine man Ronaldo. you got Madison champion man, if you got Champions League Ronaldo on your team, you' <laughs> the odds are always in your favor. Look,
1: I'm going Juventus as well. I'm going to make it two sweeps in a row because they've been in great form, and we don't know what Leon is coming out with. We haven't seen them play competitive football in three or four months. Um, and, and based on that and the fact that Juventus has been has been playing pretty well um that's it's them, so then you have city versus Juventus, who wins that tie over the two legs avi um city
2: versus juventus or, or what would you say
1: city versus juventus so so yeah, since we have oh, them both oh, winning, okay. yeah, yeah,
2: sure sure, okay, I was confused um yeah, so city versus juventus um you know i think I think it's city again, I'm gonna back them i think you know their times their times come in the champions league. Um, you know, Ronaldo. Yeah, he's, he's he's an impact, but Juventus just have not clicked under um, under Sari. And uh, you know, I think Pep. Uh, you know, has his team flying, even without Sergio Aguero. You know, maybe Aguero comes back, but you know, Sterling, Mahrez, uh, you know, Debrina. You, you know, you still have uh, you know, da, or, well, yeah, you still have David Silva. You have Bernardo Silva. I think I think it's too much, and I think Juventus are, are still struggling to find their identity.
0: Um, so as a Man City fan in situations like this, I'm sometimes tempted to uh, bet on the team that uh, I'm not supporting so that no matter what happens, I get something good out of it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's time for once I'm going to, you know, go confident, go with, the, with my team and say that I think Man City is going to go through.
1: Interesting. I, I, I personally think Juventus. Could, I think regardless, it's going to be a high-scoring Uh, matchup across the two legs. I think Juventus, I think City just haven't been able to get it together. And I don't think their squad is as strong as it's been over the past couple years, Um, you know, as it it is right now. And I think, I think Cristiano Ronaldo has a point to prove, you know, he, he, he wants to prove he's still got it. So I'm taking Juventus there. Um, Now into the second Uh, quarter five round of 16 we have to finish Napoli Barcelona Napoli and Barca drew one one first leg at Napoli do we want to say Barcelona do we want to sweep Barcelona
2: yeah I think so Uh, you know I think if there's that Napoli they'd be in trouble but you know since they uh, already played the uh, away fixture I think you know they don't have to worry about uh, you know their their previous troubles in in the Champions League
0: Yeah, they've definitely not done well away in recent years, but with that over with, I'm still not that confident. Um, I know it is my team, but like I said, I've been losing more and more faith in them. They've been racking up these attackers, whereas the defense and midfield has been where all the questions are. And Napoli, I mean, you got got Koulibaly, and the only real weapon to get past him is an aging 33-year-old Messi. Um, having to find Suarez and Griezmann I think it's possible but I'm not super confident but I will I'll go with Barcelona cuz I think that makes the rest of the discussion more interesting
1: Good and then <laughs> and then uh Chelsea Bayern Bayern smacked Chelsea 3-0 in the first leg at Stamford Bridge There's no
2: Byron's No way Chelsea through.
1: overturns Yeah I mean,
2: I, Yeah Bayern going through I think Chelsea will make it interesting I think this could be a high scoring, you know, second leg. I think we could see something like, you know, 3-2, 4-2. Two, two. Uh, but, yeah, I think Byron's, you know, they're playing great. And, uh, you know, that 3-0 advantage is just, with the away goals is just insurmountable.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think great. it's good for Bayern that they scored so many goals. Or, well, I mean, obviously it's <laughs> oh, good. <really? laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> but where, the, where, where I was going with that is um, – <laughs> Where where I was going with that was because um, they, they're going to be the most uncurrent of, of all the teams. So to have a, a sort of a game that they can, yeah, that cushion aff- afford to to not play at their top uh, would make them more fit for the rest of the competition.
1: That's a great true. point. Um, I agree. Bayern has it in the bag. Barca, Bayern, uh, quarterfinal.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go Bayern. I'm gonna uh, go Bayern as well. And this time it is yeah. because I want to get something good out of it. No <laughs> uh,
1: but Bayern has, I think, I think you know we don't know how they'll come back, but I think they have the best squad in Europe. Hands down, personally.
2: Yeah. I, it's, it's, um, I, I think you know Messi's going to put on a show, but I think Barcelona's weaknesses are really going to exposed. And I think Alfonso Davies is going to make some people look silly. I think Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman, and Robert Lewandowski are just going to carve up that defense. <laughs> so uh, I would be scared if I was a Barcelona player.
1: Yeah. Um, Leipzig Atletico. Without Timo Werner... Leipzig. This
2: is this is a fun matchup. I mean, they've never played each other actually. I just saw that. Uh, this I mean, well, it would be a lot more fun, you know, obviously if Timo Werner was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Timo Werner not being there is, is actually a huge loss. So, you know, I think Atletico I uh you know, this could be a, you know, interesting game because, you know, Atletico are kind of wacky sometimes, but I just don't think Le- Leipzig have the firepower to to score a goal in this tie. I I think this is going to be, you know, 1-0, maybe 2-0. In favor of Atletico.
0: Well, yeah, Leipzig's is gonna have the same problem as Bayern with the the calendar. Mm-hmm. And That's true. Atletico is gonna be more fresh, I think with uh, the the confidence running, maybe probably not at that far ahead after their win in Anfield. But I I I really I don't I don't think Leipzig's got a good chance.
1: I think this is one that, you know, it could be separated by the away goal rule. Um, it's, it, it seems it's posed to be a low scoring affair just because Atletico is not known for scoring goals. Leipzig no longer have Timo Werner uh, playing for them. It could be a low scoring one, but I, I do think Atletico as well. I think, again, I think they're contenders. And then the final quarterfinal uh, matchup, Atalanta-PSG.
2: This is uh, this is an interesting one. This is a great one. You know, PSG have not played a game since uh, March, I believe, because league was canceled. So they're going to be, you know, probably not game fit, probably a little rusty. And, you know, Atalanta, they score goals, man. I mean, highest scoring team in uh, Serie A and, you know. In Europe, that's, I think. That's, that's probably true. And, uh, you know, their run in the Champions League has shown that they're not afraid of anyone and you know if i was psg uh i would be you know kind of concerned going in this game and i don't i think this could um be a trap game in a sense for psg because they're already looking ahead to um you know the quarter or the the semifinals um am i willing to back at atlanta that's a tough question uh you know i think this is going to be an exciting affair i think i think it's going to be 4-3 uh and i get yeah. uh psg you know neymar and mbappe they find a way to get it done but Atalanta is going to give them a run for their money.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, nothing would surprise me if I see PSG win. I would say, oh, of course, because some of the players they have. and if Atalanta win, I would say, oh, of course, because PSG always just <laughs> falls through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Who do you think? Uh, I want PSG to go through. I want to see them actually do well. Um, because they have the potential to be so entertaining. And sometimes they are, but they're usually not.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm I'm going to back Atalanta here. Um, and fair. not not just to be a jerk, but I genuinely think, first of all, we mentioned PSG hasn't played since March. I think Atalanta is going to jump on them in the first leg. And I think oh, it's going to be... I
0: forgot about that.
1: I think and they're going to jump then, on the first leg. But then and Mbappe's it is too gonna, much.
2: And Mbappe's going to get in a fight with Tuchel and <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, I already left to Barcelona. I just signed my contract, and uh, yeah,
0: it's my PSG sister's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, God. Do you think so? Based on if you guys are backing at, at Atlanta, do you think they'll take on Atletico? That would be. I mean, um, that would be an interesting. I back
2: battle. PSG, but uh, oh, that's sorry. that'd be that'd be quite a semifinal. Atlanta versus Atletico. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would. I mean, you have you know one of the best defensive teams versus you know, the best offensive team, you know, I'm going to have to go with Atletico. You know, they've been to that, 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 uh, you know, the semifinals, they, they know who they are. Um, and Atalanta also are, you know, they have a pretty weak defense and, you know, Atletico, they, they they've they showed they can score, um, you know, against Liverpool, they showed that. And so, so I would have to back Atletico in that situation, but if it's PSG, I'm going to go with PSG. in the semifinal. Yeah.
1: So, all right, there we have it. Our, uh, but our semi-finalists, by majority vote, the three of us: Manchester City, Bayern Munich, Atletico, PSG. Let's see how we do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's. Let's. We'll come uh, back and we'll check write it this out. down and see how, how wrong we got it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so um, yeah. So thanks thanks to uh, Harry for joining us today. Uh, this was you know a really fun discussion and uh, you know we'll, we'll see where UEFA goes with uh, the away goals and and all of that. Um, but yeah. So. You know, thanks everyone for, for listening to us and, uh, you know, follow us um, on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, and um, we'll catch you next time.
0: St. Max in on way, and you got two men don't just being him. They wearing Gucci, so in Gucci, because you know me I'm drinking say.